0: Hello folks, and welcome to another week here at Dan's Dabble in Babble. This is being released and recorded on Sunday, July 10th, Sunday, July 10th, the date of the Wimbledon Men's Singles Championship, and uh, so congrats to Novak Djokovic for defending his Wimbledon title really incredible but boring um you know i'm just uh, i'm very pro anyone outside of the big three winning championships and this was a great uh tournament on the whole i was really happy with as far as taylor fritz got taylor fritz made it to the quarterfinals and so i've spoken on this podcast about how i am a big big fan of taylor fritz of course so it was great to see him make it to the quarterfinals Um, unfortunately in the quarterfinals he lost to Rafael Nadal but I was vindicated by his performance because after he won Indian Wells where he of course beat and injured Rafael Nadal a lot of the chatter was that you know he wouldn't have been able to pull it off if Rafa were healthy and People try to put an asterisk by his Indian Wells championship, uh, which is really unfair for a lot of reasons. I mean, credit where credit's due, injured or not, he beat Rafa Nadal and won Indian Wells. So uh, you can't take that accomplishment away from him. And you also can't take away this quarterfinals. And I was very vindicated that he did take it to a deciding fifth set, took it to a tiebreak in the fifth set. So, you know, he. I hope, um, has shown people how strong of a competitor he is. Um, of course, Ruffin Nadal is a monster to be beaten. And I was really sad that uh, Taylor Fritz lost, of course, because you know I would love to see him win a Grand Slam, love to see him win just in general. But I also really thought that a Taylor Fritz Nick Kyrios match was, which is what the semifinals would have been, would have been a really interesting match. Uh, So unfortunately, Rafa Nadal, the day after he beat Taylor Fritz, had to withdraw Wimbledon due to injury. And there were a lot of people, you know, kind of speculating this would be a great opportunity to have sort of the lucky loser. And Andy Roddick pointed out on Twitter that like you can't lose the quarterfinals and then have the potential to go on and win a slam, which I agree with. I mean, I think it was something that I was obviously torn on in this tournament because it would have benefited Taylor Fritz. But I think if that would have happened to anybody else, I totally would have gotten. And Taylor Fritz, to his credit, also took to Twitter to kind of echo the same sentiment that like, no, he, he lost in the quarterfinal. The tournament was done. He shouldn't advanced to the semifinal after losing the quarterfinal which i thought that was just really respectable and uh, great to see him kind of own up to that and acknowledge that um so because he pulled out nick curios uh, got a bye in the semifinal essentially to make it to the championship um and uh took mm. the uh first set um but uh lost it in in four sets to Novak Djokovic so Wimbledon is of course uh over now over for 2022 uh so you know there's there's just something magnanimous something uh magnetic about Wimbledon uh and it just feels really exciting while it's while it's going on so uh I don't know the the presence of Wimbledon will be missed I guess uh but uh, on the woman's side, we had uh, Elena Ribekina win. Um, I was pulling for Anjipur in the final, but really a phenomenal tournament on, on the ladies' side uh, as well. So here we are. It's July 10th, and I have finally seen the quintessential movie of the summer that you know, it kind of reached a fever pitch of all of these people both people that you would expect to see this movie and people that you wouldn't to expect to see this movie kind of talking about this movie. And it's something that I had been anticipating for a long, long time. And that is, of course, the movie of the summer, Top Gun Maverick. And my exposure to Top Gun was really formative. And, you know, I can't really explain anything exactly why that was except for i guess i'll put it in context this way i have a parthenon of three perfect movies those movies are spider-man into the spider-verse which is a movie that i saw with um ground floor expectations i mean my expectations couldn't have been lower you know most animated movies don't really impact me um you know i'm they typically for children so i i can give respect to a good animated movie um but typically not something that i'm going into with with high expectations you know what i mean uh so um spider-man into the spider-verse went and saw it and had no expectations for it and it was just so creative and clever and fun that uh, it was really uh, just kind of one of those experiences in the movie theater where I very vividly remember, and I vividly remember kind of having a turning point in the movie thinking that this is amazing. Similarly on my Parthenon of Perfect Movies, is Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Not Mamma Mia, the original. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel. I know a lot of people have a real fondness for the original Mamma Mia, which, you know, it's. I think it's a fine movie. I think it's a movie that I can have fun with, but it really doesn't resonate with me in any meaningful way. Um, so I went and saw Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, again with no expectations. I guess I I expected to have fun with it, but I didn't expect it to really impact me. And so um, all of these movies that I'm uh, talking about are movies that I saw in grad school. And I lived right next to a movie theater that had $5 movies on Tuesdays. So I would often, on a Tuesday, that would be my Tuesday evening ritual, would be to go and see a movie and so, you know, for five bucks, I would end up seeing a lot of movies that I wouldn't otherwise see. Um, but you did have to get tickets ahead of time because uh, mm-hmm. this was um, a, a really hot deal in town and the movie theater would be packed. So Mama Mia, Here We Go Again, the theater was packed and I was just in between these two strangers, these two lovely ladies and we were all just vibing and having a great time. So Mama Mia Here We Go Again um, really just gave me so much joy and so much hope in grad school that I uh, put it on the Parthenon of perfect movies. I mean, it's got so many great things. I, Lily Collins is incredible. It's not Lily Collins, excuse me. It's Lily James. Lily James is incredible. Um the the men in the movie, the the supporting men um, Josh Dillon and Jeremy Irvine uh, are exceptionally cast and the musical numbers are uh, one beautifully sung the choreography is just so cute and it really is motivating in an interesting way where like you watch that movie and you just feel like you, you you walk away from that movie with, with a, a big sense of confidence. And that's that's been my experience with Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again. Now, the final movie in my Parthenon of perfect movies is one that I consider really to be top fun. Top Gun is top fun. Um, on Twitter, when I first saw this movie, I couldn't stop tweeting about it. I couldn't stop talking about it. I had never seen Top Gun until grad school and I don't remember what made me watch it or even where I watched it or the the I don't I don't really remember the the circumstances that made me decide to sit down and watch Top Gun. Now conveniently we talked last week about my journey to uh, attempt to become a naval aviator. And this was, of course, largely informed and largely influenced by the movie Top Gun. I mean, how could it not be? So when it was released in 1986, there was a big surge in applications to the Naval Academy and applications to uh, Navy officer programs, which... Anybody that's seen the movie Top Gun, you can totally understand why. I mean, the characters look like they're having such a great time and you're flying these incredible aircrafts. And it's a story of great friendship. The romance is there, but it's not overpowering. And, uh, you know, Kelly McGillick's excuse me, Kelly McGillis's character has just these great one-liners and is just her interaction with Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, of course, uh, is, is just really phenomenal. And not to mention, I would be remiss if I didn't formally address the very formative volleyball scene. Um, which is just a gift to anybody with any functioning senses to be able to enjoy the, the the Top Gun volleyball scene. I mean, it's just so randomly thrown in there, but it's so delicious. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's just, it's a movie that amps you up in a way that you really can't, I don't think there's there's any real comparable uh, analogy that 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 makes sense to what that movie does. But you you feel pride in your country. A um, young Tom Cruise is just so charming and and so so wonderful. So wonderful to watch, and it's it's exciting. The planes are exciting. Um, the the one-liners are great. I want butts, whose butts I bring me some goddamn butts. Um so Top Gun is a movie that I will literally sit down, I will put on, and I will watch it from start to finish, and then I will start it over again. I don't know how many times I've seen Top Gun. But there is no upper limit to the amount of times that I'll watch Top Gun, and I always love it, always enjoy it. Um, And, you know, one thing that I think that the original definitely has on the sequel is, and I'm going to talk about this because I I have questions, but um, so the uh, naval aviator, naval aviation, that's, that's the lead guy, that's the pilot. So, um, pilot programs very competitive to get into we talked about that last week it's pretty um well understood how how competitive it is to become a pilot for the navy and not only to become a pilot for a navy but you are talking about when you're talking about the people that are flying fighter jets so the F14s in the original top gun and the F18s in in top gun Maverick those are an exceptional crop of people uh, that have because there's there's lots of aircraft there's there's helicopters there's cargo planes um, there's uh, which they actually show this in the new top gun the the um, kind of radar planes um, there's so there's lots of different aircraft so so the absolute best of the best are the ones that are uh, uh, flying the um, f eighteens now uh, so you have to go through lots of qualifying to 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 be be certified to fly for the Navy in general but then to be certified to take off and land on aircraft carriers is another thing and um, to be able to fly, fly fighter jets is a huge honor a uh, huge huge distinction for sure. So you have this movie where you know all of that is is uh, so captivating and so so that's that's um, the the pilot but but obviously the first movie, is also so much about the relationship between the pilot and the naval flight officer or nfo which was what i was actually accepted into Um, again because of death perception i got knocked out of uh, being eligible for for naval aviation and being a pilot Um, so the co-pilot is called an nfo uh, naval flight officer I think that is something that's really special about the original Top Gun that you don't have as much of in Top Gun Maverick. Um, but uh, it was a, a long, long road to, for me to uh, be able to see Top Gun Maverick. Um, just, you know, I've been traveling and. Uh, My boyfriend and I have have been busy and and not able to make it work. There was one weekend where we talked about it, but the theater that we wanted to go to uh, was sold out. Long, long story. But uh, we ended up seeing it on Friday at the Tampa Theater, which is a really cool historic theater. So for me, that felt like it was giving... The deference that it deserves and because we uh, had seen it after so many people that i had that i knew had had seen it um uh i i you know had the confidence that i was that it was going to be entertaining so so that was that was one of my big fears is is anytime something like this is rebooted i just don't want it to tarnish the the legacy or the reputation of what i've got in my mind right so that's how i very much how i felt about the will and grace reboot um is you know it retcons some things and it's just not it's not it doesn't live up to the magic of the original will and grace and i was really um i was really nervous about that with top gun maverick until the first trailer which i saw in theaters the first time i saw a trailer for top gun maverick i cried and i think i've talked about that on this podcast before because it was just it captured top gun in the trailer um and so it was it was magical it was wonderful it's magnificent magnifique so um I do want to announce here that moving forward, there will be some light spoilers for Top Gun Maverick. I'm not going to do a full plot breakdown or anything like that, um, but there are some things that that I want to talk about. And um, so, you know, I knew going into it that somehow, some way, Tom Cruise's character Maverick was going to uh, be called back to Top Gun to be... Um, a top gun instructor and that goose's kid was going to be in in top gun so i thought the way that they handled that was really uh interesting and there's uh, again without going too much into it there's a relationship between maverick and tom kazansky aka iceman uh, that I thought was really clever the way they handled that relationship and was really true to the characterization of Maverick. Because that's the other thing that happens a lot of times in sequels, right? Is you have these characters go through this great personal growth and this character development, and then uh, that sometimes gets thrown out the window and. Uh, in sequels because you need something to do with these characters uh probably the worst offender and i don't know why this is the example that that comes up first and foremost but probably the worst offender of this is an illegally blonde in um the sequel you take Elwood's, who at the end of illegally blonde uh was very self-assured and confident and excelling at Harvard. You take her in the sequel and she is uh, just uh, airheaded and ditzy and uh, not confident in in herself um, and basically has to go through the same character growth, character uh, development that we were with her for in, in the first movie. So I was a little worried that there was going to be some of that, but I thought that the... Evolution of uh, Maverick's career was very true to the character Maverick, and you know the the way that they handle the relationship between Maverick and Goose's son, who has the call sign Rooster. Uh, i thought was really excellent so now the the premise of the movie is there's this really intense mission that has to be flown so they're calling back the top 12 graduates of top gun and it's maverick's job to uh, train these 12 for the mission but then also ultimately select uh, or help select help narrow down who's going to actually fly the mission so um you've got this really interesting dynamic uh between um uh uh, the the kind of main three are um rooster which is of course goose's son uh you have hangman played played by glenn powell who's kind of the antagonist just like very cocky flyboy, and then you have phoenix who's the only female pilot um which i looked it up i think there's like uh 14 percent of the navy's pilots are female so it was um, cool to see that representation um so uh of course they all uh want to be selected for this honor of flying the mission and so you have a lot of the top gun style kind of air games uh and 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 uh training exercises uh that they go through um in their F-18s now the question that i have that i haven't been able to find an answer for is and i understood and it was my understanding that in general uh, F-18s are flown uh, as as one man teams, so so there's no uh, there's no goose in the back, there's no naval flight officer, and that's true in this movie that we have all of these pilots flying F-18s. But Phoenix, the one female pilot, does have a weapons systems officer named Bob, um, who's her co-pilot sits in the back. So I don't I don't know what that's about i don't know it seemed weird to me um that the one female pilot was given a male co-pilot but no one's really talked about that online and it seems like an obvious thing for people to be um to at least raise questions about uh but because there, I haven't really been able to find it, I just feel like I'm missing something. So if you know what I'm missing as to why Phoenix was the only one with a co-pilot, then please let me know. Um, but uh, Morgan Barbaro is the actress that plays Phoenix um, and does just such an excellent job. And I read something really cool that was like... Um, talking about the development of her character and in the initial write of the script, she was this character that was very much like trying to overcompensate being in a boys' club and just like really trying to be kind of like overly cocky and you know, kind of a, a trope that I think like does happen in a lot of male dominated arenas where I do think that sometimes women kind of like adopt those traits because you know, maybe maybe it is what they have to do to get to where they are or they feel that they have to do that Um, but it's a but it's a very common trope and and the fact that phoenix was a woman was never um, addressed by any of uh, her uh, any of her colleagues any of the other officers in the navy they just they respected her as a pilot which i thought was also the fact that it was cool that they were called back to Top Gun instead of going to Top Gun for the first time because it's like they've all been through it. So they all... Ultimately, they did respect everybody's flying, so you didn't have the same story repeated that we had in Top Gun, which was my other fear, uh, was that we were just going to get the the same story over and over. So um, overall, I thought it was incredible. There's um, After the mission that's flown, which the main mission in this is much, I think, much cooler, much more compelling uh, than the um, scramble at the end of Top Gun. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, there is one thing that happens with, uh, Maverick and Goose in the course of that mission that if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I'm like, okay, this is far fetched, but ultimately it was a fun romp and it was, it was, it was really cool. And definitely, I think it ultimately lives up, um, to, uh, the legacy of Top Gun. I think it's a very respectable entry in the franchise and it was it was well worth well worth the wait and and again seeing it in such a cool theater uh made it made it really special and i am glad to now have finally seen it and uh you know that's uh, if you haven't seen the movie of the summer it really is the movie of the summer i i i I think you need to see it. it it really is a must see so Uh, with that, um, as always rate us five stars, share the podcast. Um, that, that means so much. I, I, I thank you for, uh, giving me the, the, the time to listen to this episode. That's, that's really cool, um, to know that, uh, people are tuning in and, and listening. So um thanks for all of that uh follow me on twitter at babbling dan or on instagram at daniel burkett and until next week this has been dan's dabble in babble